Hello everyone, now as you can see we are stepping back into Bond territory. So um yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna be going over the top five most underrated Bond movies in my opinion. Now a few disclaimers to put right up front. This is my opinion and uh, quite an unpopular opinion I think. Um so yeah, please be a bit tame if you disagree. Also there are three Bond movies I've still not had the pleasure of watching yet. Um, that being You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, and um, Free Your Eyes Only. Uh, so, although the the only reason I'm doing this now is because I, from what I've heard about those movies, the probably I'm probably not gonna class them as underrated. Uh, a push maybe for Your Eyes Only. Um, so uh, yeah, let's get into it, I suppose. So number five, and this is my this might be where you click off, but it's Die Another Day. Now, if you've not clicked off yet, the reason I put Die Another Day at five isn't because I'm calling it an underrated gem. I'm just saying people hate on it way, way, way too much than it deserves. I've done a whole broadcast about this, so I won't go into depth. But check it out. Um it's not as god-awful as some people will have you believe. Sure, the CGI is terrible, the writing is pretty terrible, the plot is ridiculous. But there are a lot of good stuff about it as well, such as the sword fight, the car chase, the, the, first, heck, the first almost hour is pretty good. So, I mean, I'm not calling it a good film. I'd only call it decent at best, but... All I'm saying is, I really don't think it deserves the hate it gets. Um, but certainly not one of the best Bond movies ever. Now, number four. Octopussy. Now, I watched this film very recently. I believe it was around a week and a half ago. Uh, as well as The Man with a Golden Gun. And, well, speaking of The Man with a Golden Gun, that only just missed out on this list. Like... Man with a Golden Gun would be at sixth place because, well, you know what, let's just count that as an honourable mention or something, and I'll get into it later. Anyway, about Octopussy. So, Octopussy, the only two problems I have with this film are the tone, because the tone just feels a bit imbalanced. Uh, from what I hear, For Your Eyes Only was a very uh, realistic and less comedic take on the Bond films. And then obviously A View to a Kill was full-blown comedy. Well, it certainly felt that way. But Octopussy, I find, it was very sort of in-between. Um, sort of uh, not knowing how to juggle, pun intended, actually. That was a pretty good one. I'm happy with that. I say juggle because if you've seen the film, he dresses up as a clown. Um, and that's my point. The sell it as this uh, big drama. Um, but the, there's also these scenes of comedy, so you're just left confused as to whether you're watching a Roger Moore comedy film or a Roger Moore serious film. So that that can be confusing at times, but if you're willing to roll with it, it's fine. Uh, the second problem I have with is the plot. And at first I thought it was just that the plot was confusing. But looking at a more in-depth thing of it, it's, it really just imparts doesn't really make sense and that 
of course, I don't really watch Bond films for inspiring plots unless I'm watching something like Skyfall, but they could have done a bit better with the writing, to be honest. Um, also, another one more problem I have with it is that uh, the climax is very quick. It's very underwhelming, and it just sort of happens. Anyway, so I, I've been talking about bad stuff about this film. I should be talking about the good stuff. So what are the good stuff? Well, it's an interesting mystery for what it is. Uh, and you really just... The, the first scene after the title sequence is really, really hooks you in. Also, the title song, underrated gem. The song, yeah, sure, it doesn't fit very well for a Bond film. I mean, it's too romantic, if anything, but as a song, it's gorgeous. Very romantic. Um, but I think the plot... I think this film has the same trouble with The World Is Not Enough, which <laughs> will appear later on. Because it, um, it's got a great plot and a great concept, a great idea, great potential. But in the way that this potential is executed, uh, it's got a few problems. And, well, this one has more problems. But, yeah, that's the main, that's the main gripe, I suppose, one would have for it. Uh, but the action, the action's outstanding for the time. And a lot of people dog on this because it's the one, like it's known as the one where Bond dresses up as a clown. But within the context of the film, it works. So you can't really diss it for that. As Q would say in uh, *License to Kill*, another one that will appear later on. Uh, field agents must use everything they can uh, to achieve their goal. Something along those lines, and that's true. He had to dress up as a clown to get into the circus. Otherwise, everyone would have been disintegrated. So I'll defend that moment. Also, like, when he kills the second twin, that's really dark. And Stephen Burkhoff makes me laugh when, like... Yeah, he's just randomly blurting out words in the middle of sentences for... Well, I don't, I don't, I don't really know why, but... It's still funny. I don't know why he does it. It's a weird, like, choice, but a funny one, so... I don't question it. Uh, then Kamal Khan, I've not really touched on him. Kamal Khan, he's a very decent villain. He's like a more understated Elliot Carver type villain. And Elliot Carver's my favourite villain of the entire series. I call Kamal Khan the second best Roger Moore villain, I think, from my point of view. Being just one behind um, Scaramanga. Um... Yeah, and then there's his henchman Gabinda. Uh, he's pretty much like another odd job. A lot of fun. Uh, quite, quite some personality considering he never speaks. Uh, and then Octopussy, as a character, interesting one. Like, I would, I would buy her being like a second Tracy or a second Vesper. To be honest with you, just the relationship she has with Bond is interesting. It grabs your attention, really. Um, and then there's other stuff like the Fabergé eggs and stuff. It's just all, it's, it's a lovely film. Um, and then, yeah, the pre-title sequence, probably one of the best pre-title sequences of the entire series. I mean, come on, that stuff is brilliant. Um, yeah, Rogers... Possibly his best performance in this, aside maybe the spy love me. 
Uh, yeah. Not much else to say. Number three. Tomorrow Never Dies. Now, a big reason I put this one on here is because at the time, this plot might have been ridiculous. I understand that. I wasn't around at the time of 1998 or 1997, I think it was when it was made. Um, yeah, I'm only 14, but... Um, I can understand why this film might be silly back then, because back then, stuff like media moguls and taking over the world and starting world wars through the media was just seen as laughable, and that's what people were laughing at. But nowadays, the stuff with Donald Trump, for example, like, it's terrifying how realistic that film is now. Like, the Brosnan films were way ahead of their time, and that's why I put them on here. Uh, a lot of them anyway. Like, uh, the the thing is, I, I see these with Bond. The, the Bond films that are ahead of their time seem to be the most underrated ones, which is a pattern in this list. Um, but yeah, th this film is just, this film has so many elements that are my favourite things in the entire series. It's got my favourite villain in Elliot Carver, it's got my favourite Bond girl in Waylin, it's got my favourite gadget car, I mean not my favourite car because the DB5 is obviously but my favourite gadget car in uh, the BMW and the it's got some of my favourite action scenes, it's got some of my, it's got my favourite title song, controversially it's got one of my favourite pre-title sequences. Like, it's not my favourite Bond film. It might might sound like it is, from what I've said here, but the big problem this film has is the plot... The plot's an inspiring one, especially nowadays, as I've mentioned, but it's... Um, it sort of starts off and everything's explained straight away, and then, like, you just watch Bond catch up with it. So it's very sort of... Uh, like Once again, like, with The World Is Not Enough and um, Octopussy, it's a great idea, but just not written too fantastically. But with that said, the scenes like the Dr. Kaufman one, which Dr. Kaufman is probably the best villain in cinema that only had one scene... And definitely deserved more than one scene. Um, and then Elliot Carver. Elliot Carver is just a magnificent character. I, he's my favourite villain of the series. He's just so much fun. Uh, Stamper. Yeah, he, he is quite a generic henchman. But at least he's got ties with Dr. Kaufman. Which makes him interesting. Um, Waylin being... Like... If you got all the Bond girls to have a fist fight, Wei Lin would easily win, like, without a doubt. Uh, she's clearly the most physically uh, capable Bond girl, and that's why she's probably my favourite. I mean, the the chemist, the romantic chemistry she has with Brosnan doesn't really work. Um, it's sort of forced because you expect it, so, yeah. But aside that, she's brilliant. Um, yeah, there's just a whole lot of good stuff in this film. I, heck, I've not even touched on the, the bit where 
the uh, they're handcuffed to a motorcycle, both Waylon and Bond, and they have to uh, evade a bunch of guards while handcuffed and while both on the same motorcycle. Such an inspiring scene. There's so so many good elements about this film, and honestly, if same with Octopussy, really, you just don't don't have to get too invested in the plot to enjoy it. Now, um, a lot of these films are placed lower. I mean, a place on this list because of either poor critical reception or just poor general consensus with the fans. Uh, but this one, the Brosnan ones in particular. Well, maybe Die Another Day. I think Die Another Day deserves its 57%. I don't even know how it got that high. Um, but Tomorrow Never Dies at 56%? Like, it should be 20% higher, at least. And then, um, The World Is Not Enough. We'll, we'll touch on that later. But, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies, it's a good tier Bond film for me. But if the writing just was a lot better, then it'd probably be top three worthy for maybe even my favourite, because it's just got so many elements that I love. So yeah. Number two, Licence to Kill. Now, if you'd asked me this question ten years ago, this would easily be at number one. I mean, Licence to Kill has just been known for recently as being the most underrated Bond movie, and this is the thing I'm looking at today. Today are the most underrated ones. Uh, like if if you meant of all time, then obviously Honor Majesty's Secret Service would be on here. But well, once again, Majesty's has uh, gained a lot of approval recently. I mean, it's so many people's favourites. So that's why that's not on here. Uh, it's generally seen as great. But License to Kill, even with the amount of approval it's getting now i still see some people saying that it's not that good when what i mean maybe i'm being a bit biased with that considering it's my third favorite of the entire series and perhaps i put it a bit too high but really there's just some brilliant stuff in this film like dalton 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 is an amazing bond i'm sorry just he's just amazing He's the closest to the books. And I even know, because I've read some of the books myself, well, not, not read them in full, but I've read the source material and quite a lot of it. And I pictured Dalton in those scenes, even over Connery, even over Brosnan, even over Moore, even over Craig. Um, I mean, he's just... He's, he's outstanding in this film. And that, Robert Darby, though, Robert Darby... I I knew who Robert Darby was before Licence to Kill. In fact, the only reason I wanted to watch Licence to Kill at first, because this was before I was a proper Bond fan. This was about a year ago, actually. Because um, I knew Robert Darby from the film Maniac Cop 2, uh, which is one of my favourite films of all time. It's my 10th favourite, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, Licence to Kill, that's in my top 30. And... I mean, just his performance, Robert Darby's performance, along with Dalton's. Two best things about the film, probably. I mean, because Dalton just plays it so well. So well that you can buy him doing all this stuff for his friends. And then 
with uh, Robert Darby's uh, Sanchez, you can just buy his paranoia and the themes of loyalty and friendship and trust are just so well executed without being so in your face about it. And the action, the action's really good. And I don't, I, don't, I just don't understand why there's still a bunch of people out there who say that this isn't one of the better Bond films out there. It's, oh, it's incredible. And that's not... I've not even mentioned Benicio del Toro, or or uh, Pam Bouvier, because <laughs> once again they're outstanding. Um, then the 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 plot, the plot, the plot is so geniusly written. Like, I'm pretty sure it's probably the most well written film of the entire series. I mean, just the whole. The amount of twists and stuff and subverting your expectations, yeah, it's brilliant. I think the main criticism of this film is that it's too violent for a Bond film. And yeah, you, 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 if that's what you want, if you want Bond films to be less violent, sure, fine. But just take into account that many of the scenes in the film were actually taken from the books. Such as Felix getting his leg bitten off was taken straight from Live and Let Die. So, if you're going to criticise the film for being too gory, also criticise the original source material for being too gory. Um, so yeah, that's that's my reasoning for defending that, uh, that point. Um, anyway, so yeah, Licence to Kill... <sighs> Outstanding film, one of my favourites, and especially one of my favourite Bond movies. Anyway, before we get to number one, which I think if you're following you may have guessed, uh, we're going to say an honourable mention, and as I've mentioned previously, that will be The Man with the Golden Gun. Now, like we Die Another Day, it's not that I think this is an amazing, outstanding film. I think it's better than Die Another Day, but I think it's got some of the same problems as Tomorrow Never Dies. It's got some brilliant elements and quite a nice plot, but it's just executed quite poorly. Um, and I know this was due to the fact that there were so many people going on and off the job of writing, and, you know, this was only a year after Live and Let Die was made, so the writing and stuff was a tight schedule. But there are some really good and enjoyable moments in this film, such as the duel between Scaramanga and Bond. Knickknack's a lot of fun, as is Mary Goodnight, even though she's a bit, bit ridiculous and never would get the job as an agent because you really don't buy her being able to do even half the stuff Bond can do. It's still a pretty decent film and just a lot of fun. And... Like most of the films I've mentioned so far, it's not that I call it an outstanding, great quality film. It's that it's one of those ones where you could just sit down and enjoy it when you're a bit bored and want to put on a Bond movie. And heck, just the golden gun itself is just... I really want that thing, and I'm going to get a 3D model version of it. Yeah, I've not exactly got the budget to get the factory entertainment one yet, but... um. There's another one I'd consider if I had the budget for. Anyway, so yeah, number one. 
the world is not enough. Now, this one in particular, because the idea of this film is so clever that Electric King is this, well, is posing to be this innocent kidnapped victim, but in reality, she's just, um, just not very nice. Uh, to say the least. Um, I think the problem with this film is the same problem with most of the films I've mentioned, and that being plot issues. I think there's some great elements, but the plot... It's not that it's executed poorly, it's just that it's not executed as well as it should have been. There's just so many plot points they'd missed out. And there's more depth they could have gone into. Because the story itself is incredibly interesting, but there's so many things they miss out. Like, this is personally my fifth favourite Bond movie of all time, and I don't get why some people rate it as low as, what, uh, 20, 23rd, I think I've seen someone rate it. I mean, what? I mean, <laughs> have you seen the likes of... Well, Die Another Day, for a start. Die Another Day is definitely worse than this, and somehow... This film has 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't get it. It's brilliant. And the only the only other bad thing about the film that I can name off the top of my head is Denise Richards. But, yeah, I mean, one bad actor doesn't let down a film, especially if she's not the main actor. She's not playing Bond here. I mean, George Lazenby wasn't... <laughs> George Lazenby played Bond. And he was terrible in the acting performance, but Majesties was still a good film. So why isn't The World Is Not Enough just because of Denise Richards? She's not even in a ton of scenes. I think it's really unfair. Plus, you know, at least she's laughably bad and not just boringly bad, in a way. Um, Like, coming from a 14-year-old's brain, at least she's fit. I'm just going to say that now. At least Denise Richards is fit. That's fine enough. Um, but then there's other good stuff. Oh, the pre-title sequence is probably my favourite of the entire series. 14 minutes, longest one. But the boat chase and the things leading up to it, the excitement around it, oh, it's great. And then the title song is one of my favourites. Uh, titles are beautiful. Electra King is probably my second favourite villain. She's so interesting and well done. The the her villa's a very nice place. Uh, Brosnan Bro, Brosnan's acting is really what makes this film one of my favorites. This film will probably be my tenth favorite if it wasn't for Brosnan in this and Electra actually at that because it's just so it's just so he's got more to do in this and they they showed hints of this in Goldeneye and. Even in Tomorrow Never Dies, small hints of his emotional acting capability. But in this, he excels. He wipes the floor with the emotional acting. He's brilliant. Um, especially, just like the moment where he's about to kill Electra, just, to me, tells me that he's the best actor at the emotional moments in the entire Bond franchise. I mean, I've heard some say Daniel Craig is just because he had more to do, but... Sometimes subtlety's a bit better. 
and some say Roger Moore just because of how subtle he was. But I think Brosnan creates that perfect, uh, the perfect balance because he's not too emotional about it. Like he's not ridiculously emotional like Daniel Craig was. He's not crying about it, but he's also not as understated as Moore. And I just prefer it that way. I think that is more Bond. I've heard uh, Calvin Dyson, a fellow Bond fan, say that um, he thinks Bond would be very understated. Um, but, you know, have you... Calvin, I know you're a massive Bond fan and all, and I know Roger's your favourite, but have you read Majesty's Secret Service? I mean, he's not exactly understated at the end of that. Um... Oh well, he is, but not in the not in the right way. Um, you know, world is not enough. I mean, Calvin himself, I'm pretty sure, said it's one of the better ones, and he doesn't understand why people don't say it. And objectively, I'd say it's top ten worthy, and that's not objective outlook, not subjective, objective, and. There's other things I've not mentioned, like Valentin Sukovsky from Goldeneye making a reappearance, and he's always fun. The climax, yeah, fair enough, the climax is a bit alright at best. Uh, but but Renard played... Robert Carlyle's one of my favourite actors, not because of this, really, but he's in this. And yeah, he does look like a Blofeld rip-off, but still. This film feels like an event, and... Anyone who has anything other than uh, some confusing plot points and Denise Richards acting. And I've even had defences for Denise Richards acting. Of course I can't really defend the plot. But what I will say is at least the plot was interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so there's my list. Uh, I would love to hear yours. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Are you also a world is not enough hater? I would love to hear. Anyway, for now, goodbye.